Welcome to the next episode of the podcast on negotiation. And today uh, we have a very special guest and a very special topic. Uh, we'll talk about negotiation pedagogy. And our guest is Sherman D. Roberts, uh, Professor Roberts, uh, who is the founding academic director of Oxford Program on Negotiation at Oxford University Side Business School, who uh, was a founding director of the executive seminars at Harvard Kennedy School. Who, is, uh, who began his professional career in Venezuela as a professor uh, for behavioral sciences and technology in the technology section of Simon, uh, Simon Bolivar University, and uh, who currently holds the following positions. He's the president of Blackwell University that will became oper become operational later this year, who's the chairman of Cambridge Institute for Business Leadership, and who's working on the book, uh, some of... Uh, contents of which we'll touch upon later uh, later during our discussion entitled the result-driven negotiate negotiation method sherman it's great to have you with us and it's it's great to be here i really appreciate the uh the invitation and the opportunity to talk to you and to your audience of course absolutely um and um Having said, having mentioned the audience, you guys are welcome to uh, to um, to uh, add, ask your questions and comments uh, in the chat uh, as we as we move along uh, through our material. So um, Sherman and I met uh, waiting in line for lunch uh, at, uh, during his time at uh, at uh, at Oxford, uh, working as um, as the academic director uh, together with Tim Collin uh, at the Oxford Program on Negotiation. And um, back then, uh, it was at the beginning of my of my PhD, um, and I was absolutely absolutely amazed by your kind hospital hospitality uh, you invited me to sit uh, with you at the at the uh, lunch uh, at the lunch table and have lunch with you and uh, i was uh, super surprised how open and inclusive you were uh, even despite the fact that uh, you know um, i basically uh, uh, had very little to say about uh, about uh, about negotiation so that was i think i would like i wanted to thank you for this chairman uh, uh, for your openness and uh, we kept in touch uh, i was also inspired by your by your talk during Warsaw negotiation round on negotiation pedagogy and uh, this will be also the topic of our of our today's uh, today's chat chairman my first question is how did you connect to the world of negotiation how did uh, this whole adventure start for you um, that's an excellent question. I think I should probably say um, something about my approach today. I would classify myself, as, you know, to give a thumbnail as a romantic for results through negotiation. I'm, I'm as romantic as, as anyone in any orientation with regard to the potential that negotiation has to change the world. But I think that we need, for example, to solve the problems uh, result-wise, uh, rather than uh, just getting agreements that say those, those uh, uh, situations have been solved. So, we're, so it's a, a matter of, that's where I am today. I'm, I'm very results-oriented. Uh, I began when I was uh, deputy director of the Cambridge Center for Behavioral Studies, uh, participate in the um, uh, Harvard uh, Program on Negotiation uh, programs, the two-day, the three-day, the five-day, all of them. Uh, I probably have the world's record for the most attendances at PON events uh, without having to pay for them because their marketing person was also our marketing person at the Cambridge Center. 
And uh, he wanted me to see what they were doing and talk to participants and see what we could, I could learn from that. So that's how I kind of got up to my nose in, in the Harvard uh, negotiation approach. And strangely enough, even when I went to the Kennedy School, uh, uh, I uh, was unable to do, to, I, I did uh, nine programs on leadership for the Kennedy School, uh, different processes of leadership like decision-making, persuasion, um, performance improvement, that kind of thing. And these were for a general executive audience. Uh, they wouldn't let me do a negotiation program, though, because they said, well, we already have a negotiation program, which is only for public sector people. So, you know, you can't do it. And so it was only when uh, uh, Tim Cullen and I became uh, business partners and, and friends that I did a program. We did a three day program as part of a larger program on leadership at uh, Oxford's Keeble College. It's called the International Leadership Program at Oxford. And that was our debut. And then after that, uh, and kind of as a consequence of that, I was invited to, um, to uh, uh, you know, create a program for, um, uh, for the uh, then Oxford Ed Executive Education, which became, which through a, a strange process, became only the Said Business School. For a while, they were they had two business schools at Oxford. At any rate, uh, there for a number of years, uh, we did a fairly standardized but somewhat nuanced program that I would say falls in what I call the dominant uh, Western uh, approach to negotiation. It was close to what I had learned at Harvard, but I began to deviate away from that and look for for ways that we could be have a more integral approach to negotiation. And uh, in 2017, between 2017 and the present, I've been working on a truly results-driven approach to negotiation, which is what my book is about. So, uh, but one of the things that I've reflected as a result of preparing for this, this talk is that um, I think that the fact that I studied how to get results in organizations through performance management where everybody already has a contract, everybody is supposedly in agreement that this is what we're going to do. All of those things are aligned. They're not two different parties trying to get together to agree on something. They've already agreed. They've agreed on lots of things. Even then, it is extremely difficult to get results, which makes me question, made me question early on, how easy it is just to agree and then get the results that you want. And that's one of the things that switched me in the direction that I now am headed. Um, thank you for a uh, thank you for a uh, for a for a brief uh, brief uh, recap of uh, negotiation history uh, history um, <laughs> in terms of uh, my part of term, it. Yes, your 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 part of it. Um, I was wondering, uh, uh, Sherman. Uh, there's barely anyone out there who has uh, more experience in uh, in teaching designing negotiation courses, and when we look at um, and when we look at the variety of uh, the, the the variety of approaches, pedagogical approaches, which uh, uh, which is available out there, right? Uh, there are so yeah. many different schools of thought, uh, so many so many different approaches to um, <clears throat> um, to how and what is uh, in, yeah. in terms of in terms of negotiation pedagogy. What is important to teach? Uh, um, I was wondering. Um, 
I have to I have to I have to I have to ask a difficult question. I was wondering why it does that it is the case. Is it because we have not understood what uh, what it means to negotiate well well enough? Yeah? Or is it because negotiating well is so elusive that it requires simple uh, multifaceted approach to negotiation pedagogy? So what what do you think? Which one or maybe is it both? Uh, at the same time. Is it art? Is it science? Uh, uh, what is your take on it? My take on it is that we should be an applied science and a technology of negotiation. I think we should go uh, toward a, a situation where we're as procedural as we can be, honestly, and we should uh, say what we really know and try to learn more through research and, and go for that side of it I, I don't think we're we're an art at all. I think we're a craft, or we're a we're a, a kind of a a learned uh, area of skills. And but I think that the variety uh, comes from two things. One, I do believe we have a, a a dominant paradigm, which is not that different if you look at the different schools in the United States, at least, and in Great Britain, to some extent in Europe, yes. But, but there, there are more changes around the edges uh, than, uh, than they are necessarily deep changes. I mean, there's some, some people that are definitely adversarial, you know, agreement focused, but they're adversarial in their approach. Uh, a, a lot of university programs are more on the order of, yes, well, Harvard is kind of right around the center of it, but our view of this is somewhat different people are struggling within what I consider to be a dominant paradigm to distinguish themselves. And therefore you find, you know, um, uh, some people at, at Wharton that emphasize style. We're, we're all about style. How do you, you know, deal with your own, per develop your own personal style. Mm. And I think that is not, that is not uh, really the applied science uh, technology approach at all. Uh, I don't think that that football coaches uh, teach their players. No, if you feel better about kicking the ball with your heel, you know, to try to score a goal, sure, do it that way. You know, develop that. No, I think I think that there are certain practices that work better, and and our business is to to identify those. And I think the variability is everybody wants to be distinct. Everybody wants to have people in their programs, and every author wants to sell their book, and every author. And there's another thing, Remy. Um, there's a saying that my, my mother used to love, which is every mother beetle thinks its baby is a gazelle. So there's a certain, a certain ego-driven um, yeah. element in this too. And I, I would confess that it's impossible to get rid of that. So Sherman, you've mentioned things. yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, I think we're we're both closer to uh, closer to this science, uh, scientifically derived connections between um, between cause and effect, right? So, uh, meaning, um, you know, to be an effective negotiator, we have to uh, we have to learn how to do how to generate those the effects that make us an effective negotiators uh, and the ability to um, uh, to extract these factors is uh, right. tightly connected with our ability to understand what negotiation efficiency is all about which means uh, that comes from science right mm -hmm. um, and i was wondering uh Sherman, you've mentioned several times the dominant western approach yes <laughs> could you could you maybe uh, specify a little bit uh, a little bit closer what you mean by that 
Right. Well, I, I, like I say, I think we have a dominant paradigm right now. And it, it kind of started in the early 80s with Rafa's book, you know, The Art and Science of Negotiation and Getting to Yes uh, by Fisher and Yuri and Patton uh, in the second edition. And so there's, there's uh, this, this position that's, that's kind of coalesced around university teaching, executive education teaching, MBA teaching, you know, uh, schools of public service as well. And uh, basically what, it, what these are are Western because we have a, a much deeper tradition of agreement focus in the West because we have relatively reliable uh, legal systems and we have what's called a linear, act uh, linear active culture, which means that we like to think things, you know, as kind of an outline form. Right, and so we, we like we like that kind of uh, process model, and so the process model that that uh, exists in this dominant approach is Harvard PON. It's the Oxford program on negotiation. It's a lot of schools in the U.S. It's some school, a lot of schools in Europe uh, that teach this uh, idea that what we're really after is an agreement. That's our ultimate. We're looking for a good agreement. Uh, you know, and that what good means can be sustainable, it can be legally sustainable, it can be other kinds of sustainable, it can be a lot of different things. But the main thing is our goal and indicator of success is to get to the agreement, to get to yes. You know, and, and the thing is, uh, what is done is you have preparations for talking and you have talking in this, in this approach. Those are the two big bits of it. And then uh, if you come to an impasse or you come to a, an agreement, then the, 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 there's a handoff to a completely separate process, which is the process of implementation. That is not negotiation. Negotiators exit the building uh, as soon as the agreement is, is reached. And that's their job and hip and away they, we, we go. That is not a very integral way to look at the process. I would say that that just advancing the uh, a basic idea that I have, a negotiation process begins when somebody has the idea that a negotiation with a particular party over a particular set of issues might be a good way to deal with uh, a situation in which important results are at play, are in play, at stake, if you will. And so, uh, you know, once that happens, you have a whole process that ends when you have either achieved, well, always, let's put it this way, it ends when you have achieved as much with regard to those results that you've targeted as you can achieve. And mm -hmm. that's, that's the true extension. You don't cut off implementation. Uh, but the, the, uh, the, the dominant view, for a variety of reasons, um, you know, has this, has this uh, what I consider to be somewhat truncated view of the negotiation process. And um, it's one of six different uh, uh, approaches to negotiation, and it doesn't easily recognize the others, except mm -hmm. as maybe variants, variants of itself.
But most of the rest of the world, the non-Western world, is focused on relationships. And relationships, uh, that is for important negotiations at least, and relationships are a different way of looking at negotiation. And we, tr we try it, we fiddle with the idea of relationships in the West, but we don't quite see it the way that non-Western people do. So, um, you know, this, this uh, dominant Western approach kind of does give us a particular view and we just try to work at that and we try to work at reaching the agreement, which carries mm -hmm. us part of the way down the road yep. to results, but not far enough. It's necessary, yep. but not sufficient. Uh, understood. Understood. So, Sharon, what, what's uh, there? Uh, I, I've understood that um, uh, that uh, there are a lot of a um, lot of aspects that we could uh, um, that we could um, question, criticize, or maybe um, suggest in terms of um, uh, areas for improvements. But what what is what were the factors that uh, that decided uh, that this Western approach has become dominant? Uh, uh, so, uh, what are the good? What are the benefits of this approach? Why do people why do people like it? Why do people enjoy learning about it? Uh, and why it's, it keeps being taught uh, uh, over and over and again, despite the shortcomings? Oh, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. Uh, the first thing I thought of was that, well, it helped me make a living from 2003 to the present. So that's, I, I, give, it a, I give it two thumbs up for that. Um, but um, more serious, to give you a more serious answer, it was, it's the first real effort uh, to do a research-based, um, you know, approach to negotiation. And it is research-friendly for that core that it addresses as part of the negotiation, part of what I consider to be an integral negotiation process. And so that's one thing. It covers some parts of this process very well. I mean, if you have, if you have the, the, the scenario that, that this approach imagines, if you have two parties that are really interested in agreeing, uh, it says a lot about how to come to an agreement with them. It's kind of like, but from my point of view, it's, it's also kind of like, uh, you know, somebody who plans their, their American football strategy up to winning the third quarter and they don't, they don't plan at all for the fourth quarter, you know, <laughs> They don't work out special plays for that fourth quarter. Uh, but they're very good in that, very helpful in reaching agreements, increasingly good at incorporating information gathering, uh, decision making, and persuasion related uh, research and techniques into negotiation. Uh, Max Bazerman, a very highly valued colleague of mine, has done a great job, you know, uh, massaging a lot of the research that that uh, Danny Kahneman and uh, Amos Tversky, you know, began to pioneer uh, back in the late '70s, early '80s, and you know that has become really a kind of a one of the pillars of of the discipline, how to deal with our natural way of of negotiating, which is quite primitive uh, and tends tends toward haggling. Um, Finally, well, it's so one of the things is it does draw upon uh, many, many fields. And I think it's it's also done a great service uh, in that it has brought our attention to the ethical necessity 
of negotiating more and and, and becoming involved in conflict less often. I, th I think uh, it, it, it has a very strong ethical bias in that sense. I think it may even overdo it to an extent, but I think it's a very valuable thing in general uh, that it's done. So I think I covered six points there. Uh, six so it has its I merits, really, yes? Uh, so oh, so it basically, great merits. And I, I by the way, I, I have... I have uh, favorite books from this approach that I, uh, I recommend to this very day. Um, I always recommend 3D uh, Negotiation by Lax and Sabanius. Yes. Um, I recommend uh, Negotiation Genius, Bazerman and Malhotra, yes. uh, some of Larry Suskind's books. Um, uh, Danny Earl's Point of the Deal, uh, great book. So I, I think it has tremendous merits and, and you know, uh, all, all, of the, all of the criticisms that I have are, are friendly and I hope they don't get me drummed out of the court. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Sherman, for sharing, uh, for sharing this. Let's rant a little bit about uh, the dominant Western approach, right? I mean, it's become oh, dominant right. and, and, uh, and uh, um, uh, once, uh, once certain tendencies uh, uh, become mainstream, um, uh, they are not questioned anymore. Yes? Uh, so it requires critical thinkers like yourself as yes, uh, uh, to somehow um, uh, trigger um, uh, trigger our um, our curiosity and uh, maybe look beyond what's obvious yes what's obvious and what's being served into um, what's not there yeah so what is mm -hmm. not there what are the shortcomings of the western dominant approach uh, Sherman in your in, from your perspective um well, I almost want to say, don't get me started, but we have to get, we have to get me started because that, that's uh, in the title of the, of the uh, uh, podcast. Uh, they have the wrong ultimate goal and the wrong indicator of success. I think that's implicit in what I've already said. Uh, they, they focus uh, on agreement, which is a means, not an end. And they ignore things that, that, relate to the real end, which is always results. We always want a concrete result. We want a consequence of behavior. Behavior happens, a result happens, a concrete result, product, service, uh, money uh, increase. Um, a lot of things can happen personally. A lot of things can happen at, at the organizational level. These are all results. And we want those results, not for themselves. We want those results for their effects. We want them for their effects on us. So ultimately, you know, the, the person who's, like I was saying earlier, a person who's negotiating um, a peace agreement doesn't want to have their agreement signed simply. They want people to stop being killed, you know, property to stop being destroyed, and they want stability. So they want a set of results. If you want something for an organization, without a doubt, it's going to be a set of economically and, and uh, perhaps reputationally uh, uh, indexed results. So I think that's, that's the, the main thing. Uh, that's one of the main things that I would, would criticize. Uh, and so what I always say is we should switch our, our, our goal and our indicator of success to trying to get the best possible results uh, in any given situation uh, of negotiation. Uh, then there are a couple of amputations here. Um, as, as noted, uh, the, um, 
the dominant uh, Western approach amputates the, the part that has to do with actually generating results. And it amputates it to the extent that, that Danny Ertl was quite correct when he said, look, we're, not even, we're, 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 we're acting as if the deal was the only thing that mattered. We have to think about implementation. Soto voce, we have to think about results, right? So he was, he was very right about that, but he didn't go quite far enough in the sense that, that he only talked about, well, we should get implementers and people involved earlier. I think that, that the, the right focus on, um, on results causes you to look at preparations, causes you to look at discussions, and it causes you to look at uh, results generating operations as the flow of the process and to try to get to the very end of that because that's where the payoff is. Mm. So what we need to do is we need to figure out how that, that uh, results uh, producing part is going to take place. And we have to do everything we can, sometimes with intangibles, which is one of the things that you do very well at the study, intangibles like trust to get to that point. But everything we do up to the point that we start getting actual results counts as working with means and making progress based on indicators of progress. Not, not, they're not indicators of success. We succeed when we get the results. Yes. Um, so the other thing that, that, um, that is kind of shocking to a lot of people in the, in the, in the uh, uh, non-Western world is that treating the negotiation process this way, you know, two separate uh, things we negotiate and then we implement uh, kind of shocks people from the relationship uh, 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 approaches in that they're expecting, you know, we're going to negotiate and then we continue negotiating while we implement. When we, when we cut off the implementation part and make it a second process, we reduce the tendency to continue negotiating as needed in a complex implementation or in a complex result generating process. And by doing that, we're, we're doing ourselves a disservice. My experience and my, my studies of performance management indicate even if you've got an organization that solidly, you know, ultra contracted and ultra agreed on achieving certain um, objectives, you still have to have negotiation as a resource during all you know, uh, uh, productive operations. I worked in a, in a steel uh, processing plant where the communication broke down between labor and management. And trust me, we had more, to get people to work, we had negotiations. To get people to stop sabotaging production lines, we had negotiations. We had negotiations every single, and there was no strike or anything like that ongoing. So one of the things that, that, that we see is that, that amputation of the, of the, of the uh, uh, far end of the negotiation process from an in integral point of view. Uh, another thing is that there's an, a similar uh, amputation at the beginning of the process. What does, the, what does the, uh, the dominant approach say about how a negotiation begins? It doesn't say when somebody has an idea that there could be a negotiation. No, it's, you have to negotiate. 
You know you have to negotiate. That's the starting point. And we carry this out in our classrooms and our executive programs by saying, here's the case. Here's the case that you need to negotiate. We give it to them. And then we say, you know, and now uh, you need to you need to figure out what your best alternative to doing that negotiation is. Mm-hmm. Um, I compare this to kind of having a beauty contest where you declare that your girlfriend is the winner and then you throw you throw it open to finding other other candidates. Once you've biased yourself, you know, toward uh, a negotiation, you're in it. And it's very hard to pull yourself out and, and, and go to your, your best alternative to a, a, a negotiated agreement, you know, as the classical advice goes. You know, we need to start thinking about what are the situations that concern us and deciding whether a negotiation or maybe, maybe one of many negotiations is what we should do or should we do something other than negotiation and prioritize from that point and let that flow into the negotiation process. Let that be the way that we go into the negotiation process. So um, that's that's a, a, a kind of the fourth thing. Uh, another criticism is that uh, negotiation tends to be a kind of a man of man with a hammer um, enterprise. Uh, Abraham Maslow said, "If a man has a hammer, the world looks pretty much like a nail." And so uh, there's a tendency to see negotiation as a panacea. This is how we're going to solve all of our problems. And uh, so you have uh, people like a a very wonderful woman, uh, uh, Lee Thompson at uh, uh, Northwestern, who said, words to this effect, um, any time that you require the aid of someone else to fulfill your goals, you are thrust headlong into negotiation. That is, negotiation is the only alternative. Well, there are dozens of other ways that are not negotiations to get what you want. Sometimes you get it just by asking. Sometimes you can get what you want from other people in other ways uh, beyond negotiation. Now, the strange thing is within the panacea of negotiation uh, in this view, uh, there's a there's a panacea within the panacea, which is um, the the step like regarded as a step of value expansion. Very important, extremely important uh, in the context of discussions, but uh, it doesn't solve all our problems. Uh, for one thing, after we expand value by finding trade-offs that leave both or all parties, both some or all parties, better off we then have to still go back to value claiming, which some people still practice as haggling. So there's that, but there's also other things that happen ex post facto, like coming up with a non-implementable deal, which is one of the things that that, uh, Danny Ertl um, warned us about. So I've seen books on negotiation where every single case from the beginning of the book to the end of the book was resolved through value expansion. And I just don't think it doesn't, you know, fit with my experience uh, in the real world at all. Value expansion is definitely important, but it's not a panacea within a panacea. 
Yeah, that's that's absolutely correct. Uh, um, <clears throat> Sherman, you've mentioned um, you've mentioned that you're working on a book uh, which uh, summarizes uh, uh, your thoughts on negotiation process and uh, and what it means how to generate the results that we um, that we intend to generate. I think you called it result result driven negotiation method. Yeah. Yeah. Could yeah. you give us a rough outline in which direction or how you're planning to structure your work? Uh, what is um, the negotiate uh, result driven negotiation method. Well, I've tell you, I'll tell you what I've done. Um, I've looked at the at the negotiation process from this beginning to the end that I was talking about. You know, we begin a negotiation when somebody has the idea that it might solve a problem. We go through prioritization. We go through all of the discussions and all of that, and we 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 come to a point where we've gotten all the results out of this process that we can, which may be early on when we realize that. This negotiation is going nowhere, so we're out. Could be the case that we're uh, we're three years into the process, and we're still, you know, uh, grinding out, you know, cost-effective results, and everything is is fine. But at some point, that will come to an end. So I'm trying to look at the entirety of the negotiation process, the preparations. The, the discussions, and there are more discussions than just two, more than, than value expansion and value claiming. And then there's, there's certain things you do to generate the results. And so I'm looking at that whole process. And how I did this uh, was after talking to a lot of people through surveys, pre-session surveys and in co direct conversations and getting some of their input, I looked at a lot of real world cases, some from my, my students, some from multiple other sources, and tried to pick out the things that, that people did, the, what I call process components, that people do to achieve progress toward results and eventually achieve results. And so I came up with the idea that you know a negotiation is basically bargaining, but you have to put other components around it to make it work in any but the simplest situations. Now, in a simple situation, uh, you can bargain and then you can exchange results. I can exchange you know, money for a, for a used bicycle and that's the end of it. But in a, a more complex negotiation where we're talking about a merger, an acquisition, uh, a technological development of some kind, we may need as many as 12 major steps. And I've identified these steps, preparations, discussions, and um, uh, uh, result generating uh, uh, operations or quote unquote implementation uh, that make up this process. And then once I had that clear, I looked for more procedural things that we can do. That is where we could, we could say, okay, this is more like a, a science and less like a craft. This is more like a technology and less like you know, someone's quote unquote artistic work and try to build those in to each of those 12 steps. So you've got a, you've got a system that can deal with any uh, negotiation from the most simple, daily kind of negotiation to the most complex that can, can actually be operable. And you are guided through this, this um, 
this uh, system and, and you're given kind of moment to moment advice in the sense that uh, you should be doing this first, this second, but if you get new information, you should go back to the previous process. So you have this flowchart like logic that tells you when to do what. And this is, this is a big contrast to what you get in most negotiation books. If you open getting to yes, it has a quote method that tells you, you know, you should do uh, certain things, but there, it's general advice and you have to figure out, uh, you know, when to apply this general advice, when to separate, for example, the people from the problem, how to do that. And it's, it's, it's not a, a sequ sequential procedural um, um, uh, system. So what I have is a more uh, a true method, a method that, that does recognize that there are parts to this beast and we have to address the parts in, in a certain order to make it work properly. And uh, so then on, on top of that, as part of the book, I have a part that does deal with general advice because there are items that, that are always there. For example, you always need to make rational decisions. You always need to be persuasive. You always need to uh, have an eye out for uh, your reputation and how you look to other people. So there's this uh, part that is general guidance and finally, there's, uh, there is an, uh, uh, a part of the book that deals with how to become an expert. Uh, you know, um, a colleague of mine, uh, uh, um, Carl Anders Erickson and his colleagues uh, have been working on expertise for years. How do you become an expert? How do you use practice? What do you practice? Well, my system is made to order for this kind of thing because because deliberate practice um, is uh, predicated on the idea of breaking a complex task into its components and learning those bit by bit. Mine is already, you know, it, it's, it's deconstructed in that way already. So it's easy, it's easy to, to apply the, the, uh, the cultivation of expertise a la Carl Anders Erickson to this kind of thing. So that's kind of the last major part of the book. So well, that sounds that's, exciting. That sounds super exciting. Uh, and uh, Francesco, I, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more with Francesco, who cannot agree more uh, uh, with uh, with these points. Uh, um, one of the questions that we're uh, we're getting also from the audience is, uh, uh, when are you planning to publish the book, uh, Sherman? Well, um, you know, this is kind of like uh, uh, naming Vietnam in front of Nixon. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, no. Uh, this is the thing. This has been, as you can kind of imagine, it it has been a lot of work, and I didn't want to. You know, I think I think it's it's fairly easy to to write a book on negotiation. It's pretty hard to write a different book on negotiation. So, I've taken quite a while. This version of the book. This version. Not the first version, but this version of the book dates from uh, 2017. So I, I have every intention of uh, getting the book finished and published this year. And uh, I may have to, I cross your fingers, I may have to, uh, to immigrate to Mars if I don't, uh, if I don't do it, because everybody that uh, has any, any uh, uh, you know, affection for me is is rooting for me to do this yesterday 
So uh, I think it will be out this year. And uh, I would tell you the title is probably not going to be the results driven negotiation method because the publisher will say, no, I think we need to call it Eureka or, you know, something else. So, catchy know, titles. Never know. Yes, catchy titles are important. Catchy titles, yes. yes, exactly. One for word the possible. Exactly. Uh, right. One word and uh, preferably questioning the legacy, the dominant, uh, the dominant of the dominant approach. Uh, um, so Sharon will be cheering for you from the sidelines. Uh, I hope um, I hope everything goes well. Um, my last question is always about great negotiators. Uh, mm. So Sharon, um, uh, for you, as someone who has uh, been in the field uh, for so long, yeah, when you think mm. about uh, about um, historical people, historical individuals, or contemporary uh, contemporary individuals, be it di di uh, diplomats, politicians, uh, business people, uh, you name it. Yes, uh, who comes to your mind uh, when uh, when you think about great negotiators? I, I took the easy way out. I said, well, okay, great negotiators in in the book that I happen to like, which is a book called "Whoops: Great Negotiations Agreement That Changed the Modern World" uh, by Frederick Stanton. Uh, he, he, he analyzes um, or describes, let's call it that, um, eight different uh, major negotiations from uh, 1778 to 1986. That is from Franklin and the French court to the Reykjavik summit with Gorbachev and Reagan. Um, my choices were as follows. Um, I chose Ben Franklin. I think Ben Franklin won the American Revolution uh, more than any other single individual. Uh, he went to the French court and he got the French to basically fund the war, to give us the bullets, the munitions of all kinds, the, the uniforms, you know, everything uh, that we had, in, uh, had been missing to, you know, uh, finish the American Revolution successfully. Um, I know my British friends, you know, consider it Independence Day because they say these days that they were glad they got rid of us. But Franklin was, was a master. Franklin was a master of subtlety and rational thinking. And I recommend this book to anybody who, who wants to, to get into this, Great Negotiations, uh, for no other reason to, than to read about um, uh, uh, Franklin. Then um, I would say the Congress of Vienna and Talleyrand, who had the possibility of, of uh, seeing France uh, completely shunned the way Germany was at the end of World War I. And uh, he brought France back into the, 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 the European community. And, you know, not as a pariah state, but as as a state that was respected more than one would consider, considering the body count uh, at Waterloo and other battles. So, uh, and Talleyrand was, was a brilliant man. He served, he served uh, not only the French kings, but he served uh, Bonaparte. And uh, so I would say that within the, within the framework of the part of negotiation that we, we usually see, he was superb and the results were superb. Same with Franklin, from the American point of view, not so much from the French point of view, from the British point of view, but from the American point of view, Franklin was a superb negotiator as well. And then um, the other uh, choice was 
from the Israeli um, Egyptian armistice agreement in 1949, Ralph Bunch, who was dealing with Egyptian and Israeli negotiators that couldn't even look at each other in the beginning. And so he coaxed them through a variety of means and techniques, both, the, I would say, the carrot and the stick, to start talking to each other. He even had them play pool together. And so I, I would consider him, you know, with regard to the techniques during the discussions and also um, the results uh, from the standpoint of uh, humanitarian perspective, at least, uh, you know, fewer people got killed. So that was that was uh, kind of qualified him as as a great negotiator, in my view. There's certainly a lot of others. And, you know, the trouble the trouble with with negotiation cases is they're often presented in a way that you get all the complexities and you can always find something wrong with them. And uh, and sometimes it's it's the result, the most horrific. If you ask me for the worst negotiation uh, in the list that are, is presented in this book, I would probably say the Paris uh, Conference of 1919, which ended with the severe castigation of uh, of Germany, leading not so discreetly or subtly to the Second World War. So talk about bad results. Uh, and, and, and the truth is, a lot of the, um, the received wisdom from uh, the dominant Western view was violated in, in horrible fashion in, in, that, in that negotiation. So those are, those are three classics, and I think a lot of people can you know, relate to them. Sherman, thank you so much for sharing your picks of, uh, of, of the great negotiators. Uh, uh, we're slowly need to come to an end. As much as we all enjoyed, uh, enjoyed <laughs> listening to your words of wisdom, uh, um, I'm uh, blend, uh, blending in a comment from, uh, from Jonathan. Uh, um, I, can only, I can only agree. Uh, it's been a great pleasure to me and our audience to listen to you, uh, Sherman. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, uh, good luck with your book. Good luck with your university, and I hope we will stay in touch. Thank you so much. We absolutely will. Thank you so much, Rui. I do really appreciate it, and thank you to your audience. Thank you.